Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Palma Podcast. I am James Prescott, your host. Welcome to the show. Really great to be with you all again. And uh, we have another new guest with us this week. Um, uh, someone I've been getting to know on Twitter and in other places for quite a while. Um, uh, Shia Logan or Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's really great to have you on the show. I'm uh, looking forward to this conversation for a while. Um, and we're going to be talking, we're going to be hearing your story and then talking a bit about ADHD as well. Um, because it's something that we, that I really wanted to talk about on the show more that we don't talk about enough. There's not enough awareness about it. So, um, yeah. So tell us a bit about you and, and your story. Uh, let's see. I grew up and stayed in the Raleigh, North Carolina area. I, Graduated from undergrad and then went to divinity school and was a, an associate pastor at a nonprofit. We worked with homelessness and that was just brutal work. Um, but what I really saw was the need for most everybody to have mental health care. Um, people may or may not need God or Jesus as is presented anywhere, but it seems that most everyone could benefit from mental health. And I really went back and went to school to do that and have no regrets. Yeah, that transition from um, being a pastor to being a therapist, um, that seems to kind of mirror a lot of people's experiences. You know, a lot of people I know who've left the church or deconstructed, you know, talk about how they went from having a pastor to having a therapist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. uh, and you went from being a pastor to being a therapist, which is, um, yeah, there's a kind of a symmetry there. Mm-hmm. There sure is. And it's not, Unlike the other in that, especially I feel like being a woman, you get held accountable for what you do, like online. I, I experienced that a lot as a, as a woman and as a theology student and then as a pastor. And, and sometimes still that emotional labor expectation is still there in a way that it isn't for other professions. Um, so yeah. I, I was used to it. A lot of my peers struggle with it, but this is honestly nothing compared to what I used to have to deal with. So. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, And of course, the last 12 months have been, you know, a year. Um, And for therapists, you know, it must have been even more so. uh, I can imagine Um, more, I guess, more clients. And and not only that, but having to carry more things yourself as well, because, you know, pandemic and all of that uh, must have been a must have been an exceptionally challenging year. I would, I would say so. You know, each year is uniquely challenging, but it was personally challenging because a year ago today, we left my office um, and I was still pregnant. I wouldn't have the baby until the end of June. So, so much has changed personally. And I look at him and I'm like, whoa, he was born in this and he's like starting to toddle now and climbing. Like we've been home a long time and you forget that. But when you have markers like that, it's it feels real. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, congratulations on Thank the baby. You. Thank you. Uh, that's beautiful. Um, that's fantastic. And um, yeah, it has been a year. It seems like it's been longer, but uh, yeah, it's about a year to the day since we went into lockdown for the first time in the UK, and that's um, that's an anniversary <laughs> of some kind. So. Um, yeah 
Um, and of course, today we're going to talk about um, ADHD and um, I have ADHD um, as well. And um, I, I'm learning more about this myself. I'm right at the beginning of learning about it myself. And I figured there are a lot of people that don't know about it um, and will need education on it or might be at the beginning of that journey themselves. So, yeah, um, it's going to be an interesting conversation. So tell us a bit about your your journey with ADHD and your, and your experiences. Sure. So looking back, I very clearly had it in middle and high school, but it wasn't really caught until I was, I think, 20. Um, I would do things like leave my books at school all the time, so much so that I got a separate set to keep at home so that I couldn't forget them. I would, I was a good student, so I think it was overlooked quite a bit because my grades didn't really suffer, and I wasn't hyperactive. I have the inattentive subtype, so I'll just procrastinate and get lost in my own thoughts. And we're doing a better job now of seeing it present itself in different ways, but for a long time, much like uh, autism spectrum disorders, ADHD is not and was not recognized as easily in women and girls. Um, they, they were looking for one one type of kid, and, and I wasn't that kid. Um, so yeah. I, I was a good client to a, a psychologist that I went to for, for other stuff. Um, and I would be late or I would forget we had appointments. And he looked at me one day and he said, Sarah, I think you have ADHD, and I want you to, to take this assessment. And I did. And understanding that I had ADHD made me feel so much less shame about the things that I was struggling with, like losing important things, forgetting things, um, you know, spending hours of my time looking for something like my keys or a book or buying a birthday card and never sending it. Like all those things really accumulate to make you feel bad or, or dumb or, or wrong. And so the diagnosis and the, the psychoeducation piece about why my brain is different and how to help it was hugely life-changing for me. Yeah. And I first realized I had ADHD. My therapist suggested I might have it uh, last year. Um, still don't have a formal diagnosis, but I've, having looked at the symptoms <laughs> and looked at my own life, it does explain a lot of things in my life. Like, above all the forgetfulness, like, I... I, I still lose things. I still like forget where, where I put things. I still sometimes pick up my phone to do something and I forget what I've picked it up for and do something else, you know, and I know I'm, I picked it up for another reason. I just can't remember it. Uh, all these little kind of things. Um, it's yeah. I, I used to think it was just me or there was something wrong with me. Yeah. But uh, it turns out I've just got ADHD and that's that, it just makes so much of a difference when you know what it is and why you act in a certain way. Right. That's for sure. Yeah. So how did that journey, how did that, what, what was your kind of lived experience? Uh, what's been your lived experience of having ADHD and kind of the challenges that you faced? I think the biggest thing for me was learning to understand about myself in college that the busier I was, the more I got done and that I had a huge problem self-starting and self-motivating. So it actually helped me to, I worked practically full time. I waited tables and bartended in school because I would have very little time to do 
my outside activities, like my papers and my research. And having little time meant that I was much more productive than if I had like two days to do it. I never really got down starting something ahead of time. Like to this day, I will do something at the last minute. And every time I do it, I'm like, I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to wait till the last minute. I'm too old for this. I'm tired. But I understand now that my brain needs more risk than most people. It needs more of that adrenaline. It needs higher stakes in order to activate. And that's just a difference. It's not anything wrong with me. I, I truly think it would have been iffy if I would have graduated undergrad even without the diagnosis because I was just feeling so down and like everybody else could figure this stuff out and I couldn't and I couldn't stay on top of things and very unlike other people. And, th and that was really affecting my self-esteem. Um, so I really do credit finishing school at all to the, the person that caught it. Yeah. That's what I keep hearing from lots of people is how big a difference a, diag a formal diagnosis can make because not only do you have clarity on um, the condition, but you have access to medication and, uh, and support, um, uh, which, which I, I've heard makes a lot of difference. Honestly, I've not got medication myself as yet or anything like that, but, but everyone who's, who's, who's on, who's taken medication and got that formal diagnosis has said how life changing that is. I could tell a big difference when I couldn't take it. I didn't take it uh, for months when we were we were undergoing IVF to try to have my son. And I didn't take it once we got pregnant. And I really struggled to stay on top of things um, without it. So I could, I could definitely tell a difference when I wasn't taking it. But people misunderstand those drugs. They think that it's like, you know, taking something to feel all this energy, but that's not actually what they do. If you truly have ADHD, if you truly have it, it actually calms you down. It doesn't make you have this voracious energy at all. It makes you able to focus on something. So I think that there's a great disservice when people think that, you know, we abuse these drugs. I know a lot of people who sold Adderall in school. None of them actually had ADHD. Do people take it? Sure. But it actually functions differently for people that have ADHD and people that don't. Yeah, that makes sense because that makes sense because people with ADHD, their brains work differently than people who don't. That's what it is. It's a neurological, neurological condition. So your basically your brain is, is just wired differently. So it works differently. So we'll process medication differently. It, it, it stands to reason. It, it's, it's, it's perfectly logical. Right. Um, well, I mean, what for someone who's kind of for people who've not kind of who don't quite understand the difference it makes. What, what, is, what, what are what are the things that you can do when you have medication as opposed to when you don't have it? I think that you can prioritize which task is the most important. Like when I'm not on on my medication, every task seems equally novel and equally worth my attention at that moment. And if I am on the medication, it helps me really look at which one is actually more important because the ADHD brain just seeks novelty all the time. Like whatever's in front of us, we, we, we cannot distinguish one thing being more purposeful than another because they're all equally interesting. And the medication really helps with that. Interesting. 
That's really interesting because I notice that all the time. I get excited by new things or new ideas or new things that are coming out that I'm interested in. Like, and I might have been excited about something else just before that, but all that just disappears when I, yeah, when I, you know, um, and then I get kind of obsessed with something for a while. Like, and I'm I'm also um, ASD as well, um, so I can get I can get like that where like something like a topic or something will just preoccupy me for ages and I'll become an expert on it or something. Like around the election uh, last year, I was just kind of obsessively watching it all day, tweeting about it all day. And I'm not even American, you know, but I was, I mean, I've got a politics degree, so I have an interest in politics. But yeah, it's just that and everything else just kind of dropped away, you know. And then I guess WandaVision comes along and I'm kind of like getting into all of that and getting absolutely obsessed with that and into the into the kind of marvel stuff again and like you know and everything else just drops away and i stopped talking about politics a bit for for a bit you know and yeah so it's really interesting how that how that is an adhd thing uh, as well as an asd thing obviously um because um you kind of get a bit obsessed or focused on one thing um when you're asd so interesting yeah I think that people misunderstand. They think that people with ADHD don't focus on things. And that's actually not true. We often are able to hyper-focus. And I'm definitely somebody that hyper-focuses on something for hours. And if you break me from that, I can't get back into it. Like, it might take me a long time to get that kind of focus, but I can lose track of time. I can lose track of when I ate last. All of that, if I'm interested in what what I'm looking at. Um, we just, again, we can't prioritize what we should be focused on at that moment. It's, it's like a very distractible dog is like what I think about my brain, right? Like if you've ever walked a dog and they just want to keep sniffing everything, that's my brain without ADHD meds. Like it just, it just is interested by every new stimuli for any, any amount of time. Yeah. I, I get like that. I get like that a lot. Um, it's very, very difficult. Um, like when I'm working and I've got, I've got like minutes to write up and then I, then I get asked to do different things all at once. It's like first overwhelming from an ASD point of view. Uh, and then from an ADHD point of view, it's like, I'm, I'm concentrating on this one thing. Like I need to focus on this one thing and then I can come to that, but they want that. They want everything now. They want like, you know, they say I'm getting ton of, a ton of stimuli all at once. And, um, yeah, that doesn't do me any good. Um, you know, I've been on Zoom calls where community Zoom calls where everyone's like saying loads of, there's loads of people. They're all saying things. They're all suggesting ideas and stuff. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is, this is too much. Um, I can't take this all in. It's too many, too many stimuli. Um, and it gets overwhelming. Um, and I didn't realize until, kind of recently that's a that's another adhd thing that if you get too stimulated too much stimuli at the same time it can get overwhelming yep. it absolutely can and we also like you were mentioning we have we have trouble with transitions it takes us longer to disengage from one task and move to the next and that's true of both asd and adhd right that's something they have in common like it takes our brains a lot of time to leave what we were looking at and look at something else. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, 
really this really makes so much sense to me <laughs> i'm just i'm just connecting with so much of my my lived experience it's um yeah it's really uncanny and i hope that people listening who you know who are new to this or just learning about this is connecting with them as well because it's really important that people who don't have adhd um understand adhd and how it works and how it affects people because we need to create an environment we need to create a world where people understand that and so in the workplace and you know just in culture generally that people understand that's how that's just how some people work and we need to understand that and it doesn't make them any different or any lesser or any it doesn't make them deficient um or like weird or anything like that there's nothing wrong with with having adhd it just means your brain works differently right yeah it does excel at some things i think i think it really does i think you know there's a there's an intellectual appetite that people with adhd have that you know a lot of people don't have we have almost boundless curiosity and Mm. people don't understand that like i know a little bit about a lot of stuff you know because i'll get interested in something and i'll go to look something up and i'll get five derivatives away from that and i'm all of a sudden reading some obscure biography of somebody but i have a great memory too which is very common to people with adhd like i can't remember where i put something but i can remember something i read 20 years ago um yeah oh my gosh yeah (laughs) you know like I, I can tell you this random fact, but I, I can't remember what it was I meant to get when I went in the other room, right? And that's frustrating sometimes, but I think that knowing so much about so many things also allows us to see relationships and links where they exist among things that other people just don't have because they aren't interested in that many things. And I think that's a huge asset. Mm, absolutely, it is. Yeah. Yeah, and that resonated so much with me that yeah, I know a lot about uh, a few. I know a lot about a few things, you know. <laughs> and I can remember, yeah, random facts from eight from year decades ago, you know, um, about in certain in certain topics, certain certain life experiences or whatever. I can I can remember, right? I'm really I can always I can remember I can always remember dates that things happen, like. I remember the day my dad's mum died. Like, and not even he remembers that. Like, I'm, I, but I remember the exact date, and I always remember it for some reason. Like, um, yeah, and I just I get really weird about about dates and remembering dates and anniversaries and things. I just seem to clock them all in my head. Um, I've always been like that. Um, yeah, really, really interesting. Um, so, how in terms of like, I mean, one of the things that I guess must be a challenge for people with ADHD is 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 relationships, uh, in particular, kind of long term relationships with partners. I mean, what what what's that? What's that like? What challenges does that does that bring? I think it it definitely was a challenge for me when I was dating. It's no accident that I ended up marrying somebody who also has ADHD and ASD. He he has what they used to call Aspergers. Um, so. There's no judgment yeah. about it. Yeah. If, you know, I meant to do something, but I ended up not doing that. Like he understands that in a way that other people who are not ADHD don't. Like, how have you not done this thing? Well, something else was more interesting. Like, there's no, there's no real feeling criticized for that, which is a huge relief. Um, 
it, it can be a barrier in, in relationships that aren't that way. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, because when it becomes, it's not when it becomes not new anymore, right? <laughs> uh, too, like when you when you also are paired with somebody who knows so much about such random stuff, they stay interesting to you. Like my husband stays interesting to me um, because there are these aspects of his personality that I continue to see. I find that that's not as true for people that don't have these things. If that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, no, no, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean that would be that would be if I had a partner, that would be attractive that would be attractive to me as well. Definitely. Like always finding out new things about them, new dimensions to who they are, new things that they're interested in, new conversations that you can have. Yeah. Yeah. And we prioritize sense. things like other people do. So like he'll mention, Did I ever tell you? And who hasn't? And it's really interesting. And I think people that don't have ADHD don't understand what that's like. Like to never have mentioned this thing. Well, I never thought about it before. <laughs> like, I, I never thought to mention it before. We don't prioritize incidences and and like facts about ourselves in the same way that other people do. So there's always more there. You just have to wait for it to be rebrought up to them in their mind. <laughs> mm. I mean, what would you say to people who are in a relationship with somebody who has ADHD? What kind of wisdom advice? Would you want to? Would you want to give to them? I think that I would want to tell them to learn what struggles you have. Like for me, it's starting things, right? Um, learn what it is that you personally are most affected by in your life, and learn if there is a way to make that work for you, right? Like, there's—I know it's a huge privilege, but I was able to find work that is interesting every day. I love talking to people. People are endlessly interesting. It's also important that I have a cutoff time for each session, right? Because I could talk to people for hours and not be able to manage time. But because of my work, I have to keep an eye on it. I have to direct it and make it, you know, time bound. So that works for me. That's a way that my endless fascination with novel information has really been something I can do for, in order to, you know, help create the world I want to create, but also to do as a profession. So you have to think about in what way could I use this, if you're able to, to my advantage? Because I think that as many liabilities as we have, we have super strengths too. We have incredible strengths. I can remember things that that people told me the first time we talked, like just tiny little details and it blows their mind. That's like an ADHD superpower for me. I can remember your cat's middle name. Most people can't. You know, and it makes people yeah. feel really, really heard because I think I listen to people with a depth that most people don't listen with when we're yeah. in a conversation because it's all interesting to me. Yeah, that's. I find this is this is really helping me actually. This whole conversation, like, because so much of my life is starting to make sense to me. You know, like, I mean, as a highly sensitive person, you see, I I can often read the energy in a room, and I can I can sense what's going really going on even if and nobody else can sense what's going on and i can pick all that stuff up and internalize it and i see that as a superpower and when you talk about the adhd thing and remembering all these little details like i think when you reframe when you reframe it as something positive as something good as something that can be helpful um to you and to others 
that actually changes the whole shifts the whole emphasis because I remember that's what I did with with being highly sensitive. Like when I when I shifted it around to being, oh, this is a superpower. This is something really, really, really great. Um, then it just changes the whole perspective. I, I think that in every area of life, we need the big picture people and we need the tiny detail people. I'm never going to be a big picture person, but I'm really great at noticing and remembering the tiny details. So mm. if I have people doing the same work and, and providing like the big picture and the structure and the scaffolding, then I can take that and I can really build on that. Yeah. Interesting. I've always been a big picture person. Actually. I, I can. And I can't like, I can say, well, I still want to be doing this work in five years. But like, if you ask me what, what do you want to be different? What certification do you want to have? I don't know. Like it'll feel right to me or it won't. And some people don't understand people that work that way, but I do. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I've never been able to to kind of see where I'm going to be in five years. Definitely not. But I think I'm, when I'm talking, I think when I say big picture person, I'm kind of, I'm probably talking about in terms of how I see the world and where the world is going and like situations, circumstances, that kind of thing. Um, rather than like, well, I, I don't know where I'm going to be in five years. I'm, I've never been able to figure that out. I always struggled to figure out what I wanted because I kept getting interested in new things, right? Um, like, I keep getting new ideas for creative projects, and it's like, well, yeah, I need to actually make one of them. Like, you know, I, can't, <laughs> I keep getting excited about new ideas, and then I can't make them because I've still got about a million other ideas, and then I have to decide what I'm going to focus on. And, you know, I guess being ADHD, I've got to make make sure that I'm – really in the zone for that project and that project alone and not like and maybe not stimulate myself creatively in any other way in terms of other ideas just focus on that one thing um and that might actually help maybe i i think that being creative is kind of like finding love right like you can only allow yourself the opportunity for it to happen so you have to create possibilities for that to come about, but you can't really force it beyond that. But, you know, saying that I wrote at the last minute, I did, but that's not entirely true. And I had to come to understand that whether it was a sermon or whether it's, you know, my notes now, or whether it was a paper in college, I think about it, think about it, think about it, think about it. And, but then by the time I've written it, like it just flows. Other people try to sit down and think and write at the same time. I'm never going to be that. That boggles my mind. Yeah, I, yeah, in terms of writing books, I, I'm the same. I can't just free write books. I need a structure with that. Because otherwise, I just get carried away and going off and go and get distracted, right? You know, <laughs> I just go and start writing about something else because my brain wanders. Like, free, free writing is brilliant for me because I get to just go wherever my mind is going and um, I don't have to think about structure and, and plan and, 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 you know, and it being public because I can just let my brain go where it wants to go. And that's, that's always fun and quite authentic. But if you want to write a book, that's, you can't do it that way. Um, yeah. That's, yeah, that's, oh, this is really, really good conversation. Um, um, so 
what would you want to say to people who are just kind of at the beginning of that journey who maybe are afraid or anxious or um, like nervous or are still coming to terms with with their ADHD or, or still trying to get a diagnosis or um, yeah what, what, what encouragement would you want to would you want to give them you know in any diagnosis right no matter the amount of stigma or, or what have you I always have the conversation with people if someone goes to get a scan and it turns out they have cancer they didn't start having cancer when the test revealed it. They've had cancer for a long time. Now we have a name for it and we can understand what's happening. And I think that mental health diagnoses, whether it's ADHD or depression are the same way. It doesn't come about when we hear the diagnosis. It's just a frame of reference to understand the experiences that we are, are having, the difficulties we're having. It's just a way to conceptualize it. Does that make sense? And, yeah. and I think that way is, is really helpful. Like nothing has changed when you hear those words. Nothing about you has changed, except now we have an opportunity to understand the common experiences of other people that have had this same term helpfully applied to them. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's really, that's really good. That's really positive. <laughs> Yeah, because it can be quite nerve-wracking when you first start to realize you might have it, and then the process of getting a diagnosis is can be quite long and and even expensive in America. Outrageous, um, yes. I mean, over, even over here, I'm you know I'm gonna I'm gonna have to probably raise some money to to get a psychotherapist appointment um, to get that. So it yeah, it's it can be really challenging. So. Yeah, um, I guess it's important just to do it at your own pace and and to persevere uh, and not feel like you have to rush through the whole thing. Um, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, we all, when we read some of the the aspects of it, we, we all resonate with many of them. I encourage people when they go for an assessment or they get the assessment back, really look at them and point out the ones that are keeping you from getting the things that you want. Like what are the things that are really holding you back out of that whole list? Like prioritize three, because those are the ones that you want to talk about and pursue options. If medication is an option, if, if, you know, if just different behavioral coaching is an option, right? Because learning to behave differently with ADHD is just as helpful as the medication like training yourself to put down your keys in the same place every day. It sounds easy, but it's not for us. But beginning to do that and beginning to be aware, like I talk to myself when I put my purse down and my keys down, like I'm putting my purse on the table and doing that makes me mindful of what I'm doing. Otherwise I do things like find my phone in the freezer. But that self narration is something that I learned from behavioral coaching for ADHD. That was one of the top three things that I was being affected by negatively. For me, it was losing things, losing common things frequently. Other people might have different three things, and they want to find ways to work with those. Yeah, that makes sense because we're all different, and we all have different challenges, and we all have different experiences, right? Uh, and it's important to, yeah, to be aware of those not just to try and follow everybody else 
And like, oh, well, they're doing that, then I should do that. Actually, just do what's best for for you and what works for you and what you need. Yeah, makes sense. And that's, always, that's always something I encourage people who are coming to therapy, you know, whether they message me and they tell me they're going to go to a therapist and what should they do before, or they're meeting with me. So you come to a therapist because you want something to be better. But what would it look like for you for it to be better? I need to know, tell me three things that would be different about your life that we would think we had made progress here. And I think that if you apply that to ADHD and the struggles you're having, that gives you a really good starting place. Hmm. That's always an important question to ask ourselves. Like, I want this to be different, but what do I want to be different? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, And, you know, for people who don't have ADHD, I know they don't, um, but know people who do or live with people who do, or what, what would you encourage them to do? What wisdom would you have for them? I think that people should understand that anything that frustrates them about us frustrates us about us too. Like I don't want to be the person that's always eight minutes late, but I am, but I need for you to not make me feel bad about that. Um, because I'm, I'm trying, right. Um, I need you to not see my difficulties as personal choices I'm making. Mm. yeah that's really important yeah that, that that kind of basic thing of this is just how my brain works this is not a conscious decision on my part with any subliminal motivation it's just how my brain works <laughs> right um yeah and you have to know yourself and, and you know you can be vulnerable with your friends like i either answer an email or a text message either in five minutes or not at all so if it's three days and you haven't heard from me, I need you to send it back to me again because I've forgotten about it. Right. I see that's really helpful as well because when you're like, – I mean, I have this – because I've got a bit of abandonment trauma, when I message people and they and then I, and I know they've read it and they don't get back to me and they said they would, then there are all sorts of kind of stories into my head like, you know, oh, have I done something wrong? Has this person – you know – um, I've had a lot of therapy, and that that's not quite an issue anymore. But it can still happen occasionally, and of course, so, so when, but one of the things that I learned is when you when you understand who people are and their stories and their experiences and conditions that maybe they have, that changes the whole dynamic of that kind of thing. Like it's like, oh, maybe they just maybe they've just forgotten because they've got ADHD. Right, that's fine. I'll just contact them again. <laughs> It happens all the time. Like the other day I was, I read a message and I was holding the baby, right? So it would be hard for me to text, but in my head, I formulated the response. I thought for sure I had responded because in my head I had responded, but I was reminded that I didn't actually respond to the person. And that happens to me a lot. Like I'll read a text and it might be late and I'm like, I'll I'll respond to them tomorrow. But my brain always goes to what I'm going to say. And then I have to like mark it unread. Because in my head, I've responded. I've formulated the response. Mm, yeah. Oh, yeah. I have to make sure that all the emails that I haven't worked replied to are left unread. Because if I don't, yep. I'll, I'll forget. 
<laughs> and we can have different domains of competency too, right? Like I'll respond to a work email within 24 hours, but sometimes I'm, my brain is tired from engaging all day and I'll read an email, a personal email or a text from my mom and I won't respond because I just can't at that moment. And then I'll forget. It doesn't mean that I value work more. It just means that I'm more disciplined in responding immediately. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I find really helps my, my ADHD is actually is, um, is reminders on my phone. Like every podcast interview, every Zoom call, every therapy appointment, every coaching appointment, everything, like literally everything um, goes in there. And it does help. It really does. Just seeing it on your phone, it's like, oh, right, you know, okay, that's what's today, or that's what's tomorrow. Well, yeah, um, and it just, it just, because otherwise I would, otherwise I would forget so much stuff. You know, I wouldn't remember appointments and stuff if I didn't have my have that in my phone. Definitely. I think it's hugely important for me too. When I was when I was initially given a diagnosis, I would write down what I did that day. Because not doing that, I tended to underestimate my productivity. Turns out I'm actually really productive. It's just I would forget what I'd done. So I was able to be much less hard on myself when I saw on paper what I was actually doing day to day. Mm. It makes such a difference. It Little does. things. Little things. Yep. Makes such a difference. Um, so this has been a really, really, really fascinating conversation, I think. Yeah, I feel encouraged, and I think a lot of other people in my position will feel encouraged as well. Um, um, and it's really good to hear somebody's lived experiences of ADHD um, firsthand. And yeah, that, that's a really positive thing. Um, just to finish, I think what would be one word of encouragement that you want to give out, send out to people who have ADHD? You know, personally, some of the brightest and most passionate and even most productive and impressive people that I know have ADHD. It, it isn't always a hindrance. I think that the self-esteem piece is huge. Um, and I think that that's the biggest thing I got out of the diagnosis again. But I think that we forget what it's like to be in somebody else's brain, or we can't think of that because we've always had this brain. And so to feel bad about it is a real disservice, I think. Mm. And it only limits us. But there are so many things that we can do that other people can't. And I think that the thing that has been most helpful for me is I actually schedule time to be distractible. That's when some of my best thinking happens. I don't even notice that I'm thinking about a case formulation or something that I'm thinking about. I think that our brains operate on multiple levels that other people don't. I talk about them about like apps running in the background. I'm actually processing something else while I'm working on something else and looking at something else. And once you begin to understand that you need that distractible time and that it actually makes you better at working on tasks, I think that life gets a lot easier instead of trying to get yourself to stop doing what doesn't appear productive to other people. Mm. Well, that's fantastic. That's really encouraging. Um, thank you so much, Sarah. Um, it's been yeah, such a such a privilege to have you on the show. Thank you for having me so much. Um, and where can people connect with you online? 
they can find me on Twitter. Uh, I'm Sheologian. And that's primarily where I am. And I find that that's actually where a lot of ADHD people are. I think that the format is really great for us because people are talking about so many different things. And we're interested in all of them. Yeah. And I, it, it is just perfect for, for, you know, I can dash off a thought and that's it. I don't have to like overformulate it. I don't have to give pretext context. I can just say a thought. And that is just key for the ADHD brain. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. I love Twitter. Um, <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks, Sarah. And uh, I do connect with her online. Uh, and thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs>